sometimes you come to a point in your life and you just need a paradigm shift. Are you familiar with that term, a paradigm shift? A paradigm is just simply a way of looking at something. We all have a particular paradigm. We all have a, a way of looking at our lives. A paradigm shift is just moving from that particular view of everything to a different way of looking at something. It's going from one way of looking at things to looking at them in a completely different way. And we have to be open to a paradigm shift because, let's face it, we're human beings and we may not be looking at things from the right perspective. We may not be looking at things in the way that they truly are. Sometimes in life you just need a paradigm shift. You need to stop looking at things the way you're looking at it and look at things in a completely different way, a fresh way, a better way. And it's the same thing for us as believers. For many Christians, many believers, they have a certain way of looking at God, a certain way of looking at Christianity, a certain way of looking at being a Christian. They just have a certain way of looking at it. Maybe this is the paradigm that some have. They look at their relationship with God from this perspective. It's this. Hey, I just don't want to go to hell. For some, that's the paradigm of their understanding of the Lord. And they say, I just don't want to go to hell. I just want to be saved. And that ends up being the paradigm of a lot of believers that just basically got themselves some fire insurance. Or maybe they have a view of looking at Christianity or God, and the view that they have is this. Man, this God stuff, this Bible stuff, is just a bore. It's just boring. It's just really, wow, it's boring. Let me submit to you tonight, it's these people, and maybe you're here tonight, I don't know, that need a paradigm shift. You need to shift from the way you're looking at things in your life to the way God wants you to look at it. I believe that the way to look at, at your relationship with God is not that it's fire insurance, not that it's dull or boring, not that it's a list of rules to live by, although it is, but I believe that we need to look at our relationship with God this way, that it's a great adventure, that it is a great adventure, it's a journey. It's a journey through life, it's a great journey, and it's a great adventure. From the moment that you decide to live for Christ, the moment that you decide to surrender your heart and life to Christ, from that moment forward, it's a great adventure, it's a great journey. Now most people I know love a great adventure. They love a great, scenic, and adventurous journey. And I'm one of those people, amen? I love to be on a journey, I love to be on an adventure. I love to be traveling down a road and seeing awesome. I like to take the scenic route, amen? How, how about you? I'm one of those people. Now there are some that don't think they would like it. Until you get them on that journey, if you could just get them on the journey, get them out the door, get them on, in the car, on the plane, somewhere going, and on that scenic way, and realize when they get there that they truly do love it. 
It's an adventure, and, and, and the scenery is amazing. Get out there where the adventure is. Get somebody out there where the adventure is, and you see them light up. Maybe your view of Christianity, of the Lord, of the Bible, of whatever, is simply because you haven't gotten out, so to speak. You need to get on the great adventure. You need to get on the journey that is the Christian walk. A walk with God is a journey, and it's a great adventure. Now, last week, we talked about the calling of Abraham, and we talked about how God called Abram out of his country, out of his nation, and he told him, hey, I want you to get out of your country, I want you to get out from where your family is, and I want you to go. And I want you to go to a place, a, la- a, place, a land, I'm going to show you when you get there where it is. And Abraham responds to that. Tonight, we're going to look at the response to the call. We talked a lot about last week the call and what the co- obedience to the call would mean ultimately for Abram, for his descendants, and ultimately the world, and for you and I that are sitting here tonight. Because a part of the promise of that call that God gave to Abram is that every family in the world would be blessed. And if you're in Christ tonight, you are blessed in Christ because of the promise that God gave to Abram when he, when he, when he appeared to him. Tonight, we're going to talk about the response to the call and what that means in terms of walking on this journey, going through this great adventure we call the Christian life. So it's the great adventure. I've got two points tonight. The first one is this, if you're taking notes. The great adventurer lives a transformed life. The great adventurer lives a transformed life. Let's pick it up in Genesis chapter 12, verse 4. It says this, so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran. And they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Moreh. And the Canaanites were there, were then in the land. The great adventurer, that person, maybe it's you tonight, hopefully, lives a transformed life. Verse 4 here in our text tonight says that Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. Abram departed. Now what, as the Lord had spoken to him, now what did the Lord say? He said, Abram, leave your country, leave your nation, and go to a land, a place that I will show you. We talked about this last week. The call of God comes with a command. The call of God always comes with a command. And, it, and the command comes with a promise. Amen? And if you missed that message last night, I, I invite you to go back and listen to that. The call, the command, and the promise, the plan of God for his people. But here's the command to get out of your country, Abram, to leave your nation, to leave your family, to leave your people, and go to a new land, a place that I'm going to show you. Here in verse 4, we see the response of Abram. We see how he responded. What does it say? He departed. He departed. In other words, he got out of the house. 
He got out of the country. He got out of the nation. He departed. He got on the journey. And this is exactly what we have to do. Some people want to sit around and hear the call and hear the commands and hear the promises of the command, and those are wonderful. I could sit there and talk about, we could talk about all those for days and hours and a lifetime. But there comes a time when God calls us to respond to that thing that he's called us to, that command that he's given, to respond to that thing so that we can walk in the promise that he's given. And here Abram does it. says he's departed. He departed. He left his nation. And let me say this. He was never the same again. He was never the same again. And if you'll depart and go out on this journey with God, according to the command of God, you'll never ever be the same either. Because the great adventurer in Christ lives a transformed life, a completely changed life. Now, if you look at your life and you say, well, I, I don't feel transformed, it doesn't look transformed, then, then you, need to, you need to probably depart, you probably need to obey the command. You're still kind of going through the, 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 the call. You're going through the command. You're looking at the promises and you're saying, hey, should I do? What should I do? What should I do? And God's saying, hey, I want, I want you to depart. There's a time to go on the voyage. There's a time to, to, to hear the itinerary. There's a time to hear about what all you're going to see on the way. And there's a time to go. And, and this was the time to go. And, 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 and Abram went out on the journey. It brings us to our our main point tonight, the great adventurer lives a transformed life. When you respond to the call of Christ and obey the command of, of the call, your life is transformed, never to be the same again. Now notice it says that Abraham, Abram at this time departed. He departed. This is because, well, it, it, what I'm pointing out here is it says Abram departed by himself. But, but we know that other people went with him. We know because we read the next verse and the next verse, right? And it says Lot went with him and Sarah went with them. And, and we get down a couple more verses and all these other people went with him too. But, but verse four says Abram departed. And, and, and I think it's, it's the Holy Spirit telling us here that, that, that we can go along the journey with other people, but we've got to make the decision to depart ourselves, it's got to be something that, where it's written somewhere that Charles departed according to the command of God. You know, the, the, the John stepped out, departed according to the, the, the call of God on his life. The, 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 the somebody, whatever your name is here tonight, that you stepped out, that you departed because God said something. And, and it says Abram departed. Abram departed. And then it tells us that Lot went with him. Lot, of course, was his nephew, we learn that, that um, Lot was Abram's bro his brother, Abram's brother's son. And Abram's uh, brother had passed away. And so really, uh, he was his, you know, Abram was Lot's uncle. Lot was his nephew. But really, you could say at this point, Abram is more like a father uh, to, to Lot. And... And it says that Lot went with him. As parents, you want to live your life in such a way that your kids, the people that grow up in your household, that they follow you on the journey. You know, Lot, 
At some point, his father passed away and he grew up under Abram. And when the call of God came to Abram and Abram listened to the call and looked at the command and looked at the promise, he departed and Lot went with him. Amen? And, and, and here's the point, parents, you, you want to live your life in such a way that your kids follow you in the faith. Mom and dad, here's the question for you tonight. How are you living your life? How are you living your life? You notice I didn't ask you, what are you saying to your kids? I didn't say, what are you saying to your kids? I said, how are you living your life? Because there's a difference. There's a difference between what we're saying to our kids and how we're living our life. Because how we live our lives is going to translate to our kids. And, 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 and how many of you know that a teenager can sniff out a fake? If you've got any teenagers in the house, you know they can sniff out a phony real quick. Are you living your life in such a way that your kids are realizing the adventure of following Jesus? Or are they taking the paradigm of the, of the other things that we discussed in the opening? Well, get the God's, dad's got some fire insurance. Mom's got some fire insurance. Yeah, they go to the church and whatever, and they tell me this and that. But are you living your life in such a way that you're going you're gonna to pass the torch, that you're going to pass the fire, that your kids are going to see that living for, for Jesus Christ is a great adventure? And they're going to say, you know what? That's what I want for my life. I want to be that greater adventurer in Christ. I want to follow God with all my life because I saw my mom and my dad do that and I saw them. I saw them go through the good times. I saw them go through the bad times. I saw them when, when, when tough times came around that, that, that they gathered us together and they prayed and they took us to the Lord and they took us to the word and it wasn't just you know doing stuff here and here and here and there. It was a consistent pattern that they lived it out in front of us and that's the thing that we've got to do as parents living our lives in such a way that our kids realize the adventure of living for Jesus. Amen? Then the text tells us that Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, and they took their possessions, and they took the people that they had acquired in Haran. This verse tells us about, about the journey. Look at it, verse... Uh, give you the specific verse there is verse five then abram took sarah his wife and lot his brother's son and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people whom they had acquired in haran and they departed to go to the land of canaan and so this verse it tells us a lot about the journey it tells us a lot about a walk with christ what does it tell us well one thing it tells us is that abram took his possessions with him he took everything that was his that wasn't, you know, nailed down. <laughs> everything that was transportable, everything that was in his care, he took with him. He took care of his possessions. And what's that called? Stewardship. Amen. And really, we see a stewardship here in, in Abram in, in, along this journey. Abram took his possessions. The, the Christian needs to know this about your possessions. You need to know that everything that you think you possess is the Lord's. 
You know, you can do an experiment and you can, I had, I I was, uh, I I heard somebody do an experiment once and they had everybody in the audience uh, just take a couple minutes and, and think about and total up in their minds what their net worth was. And some of you people, some people didn't want to do it. They're like, no, I don't want to think about my net worth. I think it's negative, you know. <clears throat> it's all said and done. It's negative. I don't want to think about that, all right. But whatever, whatever you think you have, whatever you think is your net worth, whatever that is, the sum of those possessions, guess what? As a Christian, all of it is the Lord's. We are stewards of the things that God has given us, the things that God has brought into our lives, These things have been given to us, and we are managers of them. We are stewards. The Lord gives things to his people, and then he expects that we steward them and that we manage them properly. And so what did Abram do? He took his possessions with him on the journey. He took the things that God had given him. Being a proper steward requires... This, it requires that we be conscientious people. It requires that we be conscientious. It it requires that you know what you have. When you start having so much stuff and so many things around the house that you lose track of what you have, maybe it's like, hey, maybe you got too much stuff. Maybe you need to put it in other things so that you can manage it correctly. But being a proper steward requires that we be conscientious people. We need to take good care of what God has given us materially. And and so the reality is this, you can't be a poor steward of the possessions that God has brought into your life and then blame God. You can't be a poor steward and say, well, God, what'd you do? And God's saying, no, what'd you do? (laughs) You know, I gave you some stuff and I, I, I wanted you to steward it properly. I want you to care for it. I want you to take care of it. You can't be a poor steward and then blame it on God when things are messed up or money is run out, but you've been a poor steward of whatever it is. Maybe it's things, maybe it's material possessions, maybe it is money. You put, you put, your, you put your money, you go to work, you get your money, you put your money in your purse and your wallet and And as the book of Haggai says, you put money in your wallet, your purse, and your purse had holes in it. And it just, what happened to it? It's gone. God wants us to, God God wants us to to be, oh goodness, this is crazy, not again. To be conscientious of when we're preaching not to accept phone calls, amen? Know how your devices work, Amen? Put them on silent. Don't ask ask the people to put them on silent. You don't have it on silent. Amen. Stewardship. Look at this verse in in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 2. It says this. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. So if you are a steward, it's required that you're found faithful. And God has made you a steward of the possessions that he has placed in your life. On this great adventure you're on, God wants you to be a good steward. And I think that the paradigm shift here is there's, there's a lot of people that, that, that need the paradigm shift here because they want 
maybe more money or more things or more this or more that. But there, 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 there's, there's not a care and concern for what they actually do possess. And, and the, the principle in life is when you learn how to care for and properly steward what you do have, then, things, then other things come about, other things come along. It's in taking care of what we do possess that all that type of stuff takes, takes place. So looking at your stewardship, how are you doing? Maybe you need to just tighten up the screws a little bit on the, the stewardship issue. Maybe you're not doing so well in the stewardship department. And maybe this is the reason, because you have an uncontentedness, an uncontentedness. Let me, let me just throw this out there and we'll move on. Proper stewardship will produce contentment. Proper stewardship will produce contentment. You say, well, I'm not content and I always want and want and want and want. Proper stewardship will produce contentment. How's that? Because when you're properly managing and steward and take care of, I mean, when you're out there cutting the grass... You're like, man, I don't want any more grass, <laughs> right? I don't want any more grass to cut. I don't want a bigger house or a bigger life. You see what I'm saying? When you're properly taking care of what you do have, it, it brings about a contentedness in your heart and your life. And, and, and just try it. Just begin to take really great care, properly steward the things that you have in your life and see if it's true. See if, a, a, if an unbelievable contentedness just comes your way. When you properly steward the stuff that, that has been placed in your life, you will be more content. Not only did they take their possessions, it says they took the people that they had acquired. Look at that, back to verse five. Then Abram took Sarah and his, uh, Sarah's wife and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran. Now this is a... This is an interesting part of the sentence here, part of the verse. The word for people here in this verse is a Hebrew word that actually means soul. You think of people and you just think of like kind of like a faceless people, right? But the word there actually means soul. It means a living being, a person. And, and there in the original language, we're being reminded that each person is a soul, each person is a, is a living being. Each person is a person. Amen? Each person, in that sense, is an individual soul. And it says that they, they took the souls. If you read it in the Hebrew, they took the souls that they had acquired in Haran. The, the living persons, these people. They, these are living persons, living souls that had been invited, that, that came with Abram on this journey to worship the one true living God. They were kind of joining in in the entourage uh, of Abram. Remember I told you last week that Abram had a, a big entourage. He, he, had, he had a bigger entourage than Jay-Z. Remember I said that last week? Yeah. How many remember I said that? Yeah. He had a, wait, wait till we get a couple more chapters down the road. He had a big entourage, Okay. The, the, the living souls that they, that they had acquired, that they brought along, are these living souls, these living beings that are coming with them, and they're, they're joining in on the journey of, of worshiping the one true living God. They took the souls that they had gained. 
One rabbinic scholar put it this way, they had gathered souls under the wings of the divine majesty. They had gathered souls under the wings of the divine majesty. In this sense, it's Abram had the call. Can you imagine if you went, we don't have time to go back to the last three verses of last week, but reading back, reading back, everything that God told them, look, leave your country, da, 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 I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna give you a land, I'm gonna take you to a land, you're, 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 you're gonna be a great nation, you're gonna be a great people, I'm gonna give you a great name, and through you, all the people of the world are gonna be blessed, all, every family. Can you imagine Abram? Hey, who wants to be a part of it? Who wants to be a part of it? Who's coming with me? Who's coming with me, right? And, and, and this is what's been presented to us because we have the same thing, the same thing that's been presented to us to be a part of the family of God, to, to, to respond to the call of Christ, to, to obey the command, to, to follow him, to give him everything, to come into the family, to have the possessions of Christ, the, the things that, he, that we possess as Christians, as believers in him, the, 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 every spiritual blessing that Paul talks about in Ephesians 1, all those things, we have that same thing. And if we realize the, 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 just the gravity of it, we realize the depth of it, it, we'd have the same idea. We'd have the same, okay, who's coming with me? Who's coming with me? And, 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 and that acquiring of souls, that gathering of souls under the divine majesty. And I just love that. We've been gathered under the wings of the divine majesty. You, you, you've, 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 you've departed according to the command. You're stepping out on the journey of walking with Christ in your life. But you haven't stepped out onto that path. You haven't stepped out into that wilderness by yourself. You should never feel that way. You should always feel like you are a living soul that has been gathered under the wings of the divine majesty. You were first gathered under his wings. There's a scene in the New Testament where Jesus comes to Jerusalem. Of course, he's been to Jerusalem before. He came, with, came to Jerusalem with his mother and father on many occasions, right? Right? But there's a scene in the New Testament where Jesus comes to Jerusalem and he, he mourns over the city. He laments over the city. And this is what he said. This is what Jesus said, Luke 13, 34. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. But you were not willing. Can you hear the heart of, of Christ? Oh, oh Jerusalem, I, I wanted so desperately. I mean, I want you to feel this, the Lord weeping over the city of Jerusalem. Picture him outside the city, looking, uh, looking at the city. There is the city, Jerusalem, on a hill. He's looking at it, and he's weeping. He's lamenting over the city. He's, he's lamenting over the living souls in that city and saying, oh, Oh, I wanted to gather you. As a hen gathers her brood, her chicks, under her wings, I wanted to gather you, but you were not willing. You see, there are some that are out there that are not willing. There are some that are out there that are willing that just need to be invited to gather Amen? They need to be invited to gather. They need to be, as Abram said, hey, come, on, come along. Come along on the journey. 
And there are those of us who have been gathered that need to be reminded that we've been gathered under the wings of the divine majesty. Amen? Wow. Just put that picture in your head. You know, when you're out there and you're doing it and you're living for Christ, don't ever feel like, wow, it's just lonely out here. It's hard out here. I want you to lean on the everlasting arms. The Lord told uh, of, of the nation when he, when, he, when he brought them into the land, the Canaan, the, the, the descendants of Abraham, 400 years after this, he says, I carried you on eagle's wings. Amen? And, and we need to realize what God is doing in our lives. Amen? Amen. Now, a second aspect of the great adventure is this. A great adventurer gets a glimpse of the reward. Let's go back to our text in Genesis 12. Pick it up. Let's read verse, the end of verse 5 again. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land of, to the place of Shechem as far as the terebinth tree of Moreh, and the Canaanites were, in, were then in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the, on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. And so Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. The great adventurer gets a glimpse of the reward. Abram came into the land. The call was to get out of your land, to get out of your country, and go to the place that I'm going to show you. God brought him in. He wasn't ultimately going to possess it, but he actually did enter the land. He came into the land of Canaan. It was going to be his descendants 400 years later that would cross over the River Jordan and come in to possess the land. They would camp at Gilgal in front of Jericho, and it was at that place that they consecrated themselves, and they began the conquest of the land, and they began over the next seven years to completely possess the land. But on this particular occasion, it was Father Abraham, amen, who was brought into the land. That God allowed him to come into the land and he got a glimpse of the reward, amen? Canaan was the reward. It was the promise. For us, it's a picture of heaven, a land flowing with milk and honey. Canaan was the reward. It was the inheritance. And Abram saw it and he went into it. There would ultimately be a timetable from that time that Abram entered into Canaan, right here in our text tonight, until the time that his descendants, the nation of Israel, would cross over into Canaan to possess it. There would be a timetable, there would be a process in which Abraham's children would finally possess the land. And that brings us to an important point, an important thing that I think and, and, and it's something that hadn't really been brought up a whole lot. And maybe you'll, I'll bring it up and you'll say, well, I never heard that. Or I heard something like that, but not like that. There's a, there's a principle in scripture that is this. Already, but not yet. Already, but not yet. And this is a principle that we need to, we need to understand. There is a present reality of what God is doing and what God has done in our lives that's present tense. He has done this, and the present reality of it is sure. But then there's a not yet. 
there's more yet to be fulfilled. So there's an already and not yet. Abram was in the land. But God told him in verse seven, then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants I will give this land. He brought Abram into the land he could see it, but he didn't possess it. The only part, there's one little part of the promised land that Abram actually possessed. And we'll get to it later in Genesis. And it's where he actually bought a, a plot of, of this little plot of land. Anyways, we'll get to, to that later. But um, so there's an already and not yet. He's in the land, but he's not possessing it. But his children, his descendants would possess it 400 years later. For us, it's, it, it looks like this. We have salvation right now. You're on the journey. You're walking with Christ. You're living for the Lord. You've been saved. You've been brought into the kingdom. Amen? Are all those things true? Have you been born again, born from above? You've passed from death to life? Amen? But we're still in the land that's possessed by other people. That, that there's, there's Canaanites in the land. Amen? And that, this little section, it, it says he crossed over into the land of Canaan, but the Canaanites were then in the land. In other words, it's, I'm in the land, I've obeyed the command and the call, and I'm seeing the promise, and I'm seeing the reward that's one day going to be completely fulfilled. So right now, there is a reality and state of our salvation that is 100% true, but we're not there yet. We're, we're, we're saved we're born again, and we're on the journey all the way, and that's going to be fully completed when, John put it this way, when we see him, we'll, we will be like him. We touched on it a little bit on Wednesday night when Paul said to the Philippians, I'm confident, I'm, I'm confident in this thing, Philippians, that he who began a good work in you will complete it. And so there's a process and a thing where we're being brought all the way, and one day we're going to step across either through death or the second coming, we're going to be with Christ. And the reality that we're living in now is a reality of salvation. It's a reality that we're getting to, we're getting to taste and see the things of the Lord. But there's, a, there's a, a not yet fulfilled that's going to be fully realized. And so there's this already but not yet. Now, Abraham had to live in the reality that he was in the land, but he was not fully possessing it. The text tells us that the Canaanites were in the land. They brought, he came across into Shechem. We're not gonna dive into the whole Shechem thing tonight. We're gonna come back to this, but this is um, where specifically Abram was brought into Canaan was very strategic to Shechem. And uh, there were two mountains there, and we'll get into it at a later point, but very strategic uh, locale. And, and God spoke to him, and he passed through the land, the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Moray, and the Canaanites were in, then in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. Now, the terebinth tree... We'll, we'll just mention this point, and then we'll, we'll wrap this up for tonight. Amen? Because I'm getting sweaty up here. <laughs> and um, I don't know if the AC's on or whatever. If you're cold, I'm just, I'm like just moist up here. Amen? Uh, the, the terebinth tree, the oak of Moray, 
was believed by scholars to be a point in the land of Canaan of a, a, a place of Canaanite worship and where Canaanite teaching was kind of delivered. The idea is there actually in the language. And so one of the commentators actually put it this way. He said, at the very spot, he said the Canaanites are in the land, but at the very spot where this Canaanite religion would have been professed and taught and proclaimed and all this, this is the very spot that God tells Abram, appears to him and says, I'm giving this place to your descendants. I'm giving this place to your descendants. And so wherever you are, you might think, man, I'm a long way from the gates of heaven. I'm a long way from the gates. And you might get into a locale, a place where you feel like that particularly. But know that, that God is, is, is appearing to you. He's speaking to you. He's, give, he's given you a glimpse of the promise. You're living in the reality of your salvation on a journey. And one day you will be like him. What did, what, did, what did Abram do when the Lord told him this? Look at that, verse seven, it says, and there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. He built an altar. The Lord appeared to him and he built an altar. This is what we need to do on the journey. The Lord appears to us. He tells us what's up. And we just need to be the people that, that build that altar wherever we are and, and worship the Lord. Right. And, and Christian touched on it in the opening, that God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. That was John 4, 24. I've got in my notes tonight the preceding verse, John 4, 23, and it says this, the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. The call to the journey is the call to be a worshiper all along the journey. So wherever you are, and it could be at the tea, the tree of Moray, it could be at the very place where it's the, it's, it's, it's the darkest place in the land. And, and that's the place where you are, and that's the place where God's called you to be a worshiper. And he's saying, I've given, I'm, I'm giving your descendants this land. He's giving you what he's promised you in scripture. And you need to just stand on it and be a worshiper. The call to the journey is a call to be a worshiper all along the journey. And one day we'll get to that which is not yet. The already. And one day we'll get to that which is not yet. It will be ultimately and completely fulfilled. We'll see Jesus. We'll be like him. We will completely inherit everything that God has promised. So it's already but not yet. Now look at the last verse there in verse 9. So A Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. I like this because we already talked about the people of the coastlands. And here he says he, he journeyed going on toward the south. Amen? And so, what is it? It's as if to say that, yes, he came in at Shechem, but he continued. You'll see that he ends up going, well, next week we'll see that he ends up going to Egypt. He comes back from Egypt, but he's in the south of the land at Hebron. Okay? In that area. So, in other words, the journey continues. 
You get a glimpse all along the way of the reward. All along the journey, you're a worshiper, and you continue along on that journey. Amen? And you realize that it's a great adventure. It's a great adventure. And so maybe you're here tonight, and you just need that paradigm shift. A paradigm shift on your whole walk with the Lord. I pray that, that tonight that God gives you that.